I, first I want to say thank you to uh, Dee and Jimmy Haslam and the Haslam family for giving me this awesome opportunity to be the quarterback of this historical organization in the Cleveland Browns. I want to thank A.B. and Coach Kevin uh, for also giving me the opportunity to come here to, to join this organization, join this locker room to lead these guys and be a servant leader. And then another opportunity for, you know, this organization for me to come in here and have the opportunity to show this community, show this city, show this organization, show, show this locker room who the person I really am. And that's the main focus that I want to do is continue to show people who I really am and get my story out eventually. When did you know that, or I should say, when did you feel comfortable that Deshaun was the the guy you wanted to bring in to be the face of this franchise? Yeah, you know, Daryl, I don't know that I can pinpoint a specific moment, but um, it was a long process. Like I mentioned, it was a it was a five month odyssey, and um, you know I don't know that I know the specific day or time, but it really was a combination of all the factors. And as we were able to um, accumulate more and more information, um, you know the 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 pure volume of it and the amount of time and work that we place into it that's ultimately what got us comfortable with him. I understand the whole circumstances is very difficult, especially for the, the, the women's side of the fans in this community. Um, I'm not naive to that. I know these allegations is very, very serious. But I, like I've mentioned before, I've never assaulted any woman. I never disrespected any woman. I was raised by a single-parent mom who has two aunties who's her sister, and that's who, that's who raised me. I was raised to be genuine and respect everyone and everything around me. So I've always defended that, and I will continue to stand on that. And I just want the opportunity to be able to show who I really am in the community and be hands-on and help people and serve other people. That's just some of what we heard and saw earlier today from the introductory press conference of quarterback Deshaun Watson with the Cleveland Browns. He was joined by general manager Andrew Barry and head coach Kevin Stefanski. There was a separate session later in the day involving owners Jimmy and Dee has, and we'll talk about that later. For now, we say hello, good afternoon, welcome into PFTPM on Peacock and Sirius XM 85. Miles Simmons, nice to see you. Happy Friday. Another Friday closer to next Friday. That we are, Mike, and it's another Deshaun Watson Friday. A week ago, we were talking about the Browns acquiring him, and now we are going to break down everything that happened in this press conference today. And it really was a strange week it's been a strange month it's been a strange time in the nfl two fridays ago was when deshaun watson found out that he wouldn't be indicted on any of the nine criminal charges that were presented in harris county texas and that opened the floodgates for teams to pursue deshaun watson and i think everyone got caught up in a spirit of competition four-way tug of war we as the media got caught up in it i know i was guilty of it lost sight of the fact that there's another aspect to this and once he picked the Cleveland Browns. The other pot that had been pushed to the back burner started to boil, and it got moved to the front burner, and that's become the focal point. And here we are one week later with the Browns, maybe not coincidentally, picking Friday afternoon for what should have been a happy occasion, should have been a triumphant moment, should have been the start of something new for a franchise that, when it comes to the quarterback position, has been lost in the wilderness since it came back to the NFL in 1999. What was your overall takeaway, especially as a, as a Browns fan growing up? What was your takeaway of what we saw today? Yeah, Mike, you know, I've spent, I guess, the past two, two and a half hours, however long it's been since that press conference ended, kind of trying to figure that out. You know, I've gone back, I've listened to answers, I wrote a post on PFT, I texted some people, and it's I guess the first thing is that Deshaun Watson maintains that he has not done anything wrong. And at my most generous interpretation of everything that's happened over the course of the last year, year plus, and I'd at least say that there is a troubling pattern of behavior that at least publicly he is yet to acknowledge. All right. And then I, you know, I don't know if that anything short of criminal charges, that there was anything that would have stopped the Browns from pursuing and then trading for Deshaun Watson. So I guess those are the two things that at least come to mind at first when I think about what it was that we saw and we heard today um, out of Cleveland. 
And I, I, I agree with you. I don't come at it from the perspective of anyone that was ever really a Browns fan. The closest I came to being a Browns fan was when I got my very first electric football set when I was 10 years old. It was Steelers-Browns. Those were the two teams that were included in the, the packet from Tudor Games. But I, I just think it was sad. It was unfortunate. I wonder whether they seriously considered just not having a press conference. And when the statements were issued last Sunday afternoon, some may have assumed that that's all they were going to do. And they would have been criticized for it, but it would have blown over quickly and people would have understood and everybody would have moved on. I don't know that anything that happened today will make anyone feel differently than they already did. Nothing that was said today will make anyone who had misgivings about Deshaun Watson becoming a member of the Browns feel any better. So it was a waste of time, frankly. There was no net gain for the team. They checked the box if that's what their objective was. But I don't think they changed anyone's mind. And I'll go back to what I said last Friday, Miles, when the news was still fresh that Deshaun Watson had picked the Browns. Settle these cases. Make your reckoning. Give the individuals who have sued you for sexual misconduct during massage sessions a sense of justice and move on. Whatever it takes. You got a new contract September of 2020 that paid $40 million a year. You've played one season of football since then. Now you've got $230 million fully guaranteed over five years. Find a way. You've got a good lawyer. Find a way to resolve this. Yes, Tony Busby would, would expect a hell of a lot more. When he sees the urgency to get it done, that's part of the reckoning. That's part of how it's been handled to this point. That's part of what you have to do because I think it was incumbent on Deshaun Watson. I think it was a failure of Watson and his advisors to not get these cases settled before he has to sit before the media in Cleveland. Kudos to the folks who cover the Browns. Not that I doubted, Mm -hmm. given uh, the serious nature of the allegations against Watson that it was going to be softball fest 2022, but they came after the folks appropriately, not too aggressively, but it definitely was not an easy 45 minutes. The only one that got off easy was Kevin Stefanski because he got maybe one question football related. Andrew Barry got all the tough questions for the Browns and Deshaun Watson got a few tough questions, but he had his talking points ready, and you and I have corresponded about this. He had to have talk, talking points because there's still litigation. He can't get up there yes. and start answering detailed questions because anything he uses in that context is going to be used against him by Tony Busby in the 22 civil lawsuits. So you heard the same, I never disrespected, harassed, et cetera, assaulted any women. And, you know, I was raised by a single mother and my two aunties, and it was, it, that came up two or three times. That was written on a card and memorized by Deshaun Watson. Again, that's fine. But we didn't really get much from him because of that. Let's hear a little bit. Here's Deshaun Watson on having any regrets about what has transpired and the hardest part of being in the situation that he's now in. Do you have any regrets on anything? And if so, what were they? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't have any regrets. Um, like, like I said before, the things that, that are off the field right now that came up, you know, caught me by surprise because I never did anything that these people are, are alleging. And I know a lot of people say that I took the year off um, and I used that to be able to clear my name um, like the previous uh, two weeks and, and just to continue to fight that. And I just continue to work and become a better person, a better player, and just a better son, um, you know, like my mom has always taught me. I think the hardest part is just, I mean, having everyone you know, come at me from different directions and without, you know, me be able to publicly speak on it because of the ongoing investigation. But, you know, I took the route of following my legal team and telling the truth to the, the legal side so I can bring my innocence. And then once, like I said before, it's resolved in the near future, hopefully I can speak freely on it. When he says that the hardest part is everyone coming at him, he's not just talking about the 22 individuals and their lawyer. I have sensed from Watson's camp a level of frustration that they believe the media has been too harsh with him, that the media has been too aggressive about this. And I don't think you get to make that argument when you've been accused by 22 individuals with no proof of a conspiracy, no proof of some plot, no proof that any single one of them worked with anyone else 
to come forward and make these charges. It's 22 people. If it's two, if it's three, that's different. There's a number there. We've talked about this before, a number between one mm-hmm. and 22 that becomes the critical mass. And I don't know what the number is. And for these purposes, we don't need to know. 22 is on the wrong side of it. So I don't like this, this not-so-subtle sense that he's mad at people who, who he thinks are being mean to him in the media because they're being aggressively supportive of the 22 individuals who have made the allegations. The other thing, too, should he have regrets? Well, you know, he should have a regret. And his biggest regrets should be lining up massage sessions on Instagram, putting himself in a compromising situation where it's just him and another individual over and over and over and over again, where someone can make accusations later. And his lawyer already admitted last year, Miles, that some of these massage sessions became consensual sexual encounters. He should regret putting himself in a reckless, dangerous spot where he could be accused. He set the table for what's going on through his own habits. So that's what he should regret. Now, I don't expect him to say that, but if he has any regret, at a minimum, that's what his regret should be. Right, Mike. And that, that's kind of what I meant when I was saying, you know, there's a troubling pattern of behavior here. I mean, if you are trying to ostensibly get your body right because you are a professional athlete and you want a massage, which is something that most, if not all professional athletes go through because especially as a football player, your body's getting hit, right? This is a, this is a sport that is very, very intense on your body, especially as a quarterback, okay? So if you are setting up massage therapy sessions, that's something that makes complete and total sense. However, as you just put it, consensual sexual encounters are not what massage therapy sessions are supposed to be for. So if there is any regret that I feel like he should have, it should be that, that some of these, by his, again, by his lawyer's own admission, some of these massage therapy sessions that he involved himself in turned into consensual sexual encounters. And that at a minimum, at my most generous interpretation, is where he has definitely gone wrong. Because like I said, that, that's not what a massage therapy session is supposed to be for as a professional athlete. It's just not. And I just wonder if anyone at any juncture of this process over the course of the last year has ever sat down across the table from Deshaun Watson and explained to him the very hard truths and gotten him to say, I understand where I went wrong. I understand. Because I go all the way back to the first accusation that was made right. when a $100,000 settlement demand was made. And the lawyers representing Deshaun Watson at the time basically thumbed their nose at Tony Busby, refused to make an offer, refused to engage in the ritual of settlement discussions, said 100000 is too much, make another offer, which is guaranteed to piss off any lawyer worth his or her salt. It's a f- violation of the most fundamental negotiating ritual. You never expect anyone to bid against themselves. Even if you only put $200 on the table, you put something on the table and say, give me more evidence, give me another offer, and then we'll continue this discussion. That's where it went off the rails. But even that, that's when somebody had an obligation to sit down and say to Deshaun Watson, how did this happen? And in the process of having him explain how it happened, someone with a basic level of human curiosity needed to say, is this the only person? Is this, is this it? Is there anyone else out there we need to know about, Deshaun? Is this something that you've been maybe doing 10, 20, 30, 40 times? So this has been time and again, and I'm probably going to get a phone call from somebody who doesn't like what I'm saying, but this has been time and again a failure of the people who are paid to take care of the interests of Deshaun Watson and from time to time to speak hard truths to a young man who may not know any better. And I'm not making an excuse for anything he did. But at some point, you have an obligation to lead him on the right path and make sure he understands you shouldn't be doing this. And you know what? What you've been doing, not a good idea. We probably should take care of this claim that's been made discreetly, quietly. Well, what if there's somebody else? Well, if there's somebody else, we take care of that too. Because yeah. this is probably something you shouldn't have been doing. And you have the money. You have the money. You know, it's a shakedown. That's okay. There's, the tree's got a lot of money to be, to be shook. So you're fine. Because you know what? If we don't, this potentially blows up and derails your career and your life. That's why you need to have people around you who have the gift of foresight and the ability to speak candidly no matter who it is.
Yeah, Mike, I mean, that's absolutely true. I, I, and I agree. I, I agree with you. I mean, it just seems like nobody's been willing to either do that or Deshaun Watson hasn't been willing to hear that. I mean, if we take him at his word today, he maintains, I did not assault anyone. And not only that, he said, I did not disrespect anyone. So he maintains that he just did nothing wrong. And I don't know. I mean, I guess we can all have different levels of respect, disrespect, whatever it is, different interpretations. But again, if you are hiring somebody ostensibly to be a massage therapist and help you get your body right, to me, it seems a little disrespectful that somehow that morphs into a consensual sexual encounter. I, that, these two things are just incongruous to me. And that's something that, you know, whether or not Deshaun Watson did something criminal, whether or not, you know, through the civil legal process, he is determined to be responsible in any one or more of these 22 cases. That's something that to me, it's hard to wrap my head around where you're like, you know, I, I, I didn't do anything wrong. I don't need anything. I'm, I'm completely innocent and da, 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 da. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean he did something. I just, obviously I, I, I have a hard time wrapping my head around it. And like, I don't, know exactly what the right or wrong thing is to say but like that to me is where i'm struggling is that well there's just not there's not there's not something there you know i don't know let me just come out and say it because if you go to get a massage and let's say he never made any maneuver for it to be anything other than a massage and the massage therapist is the one who makes the first move Plenty of reasonable human beings would say, whoa, 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 you got the wrong idea. That's not why I set this up. I just want a massage. I just want, I don't, I, I'm sorry if you got the wrong idea. I just want a massage. Thank you. We're done here. So he clearly didn't do that if, right. if he didn't initiate and if the massage therapist did because his lawyer has admitted that there were consensual sexual encounters. His lawyer has also said in the past that he believes all 22 of the women are not telling the truth. Deshaun Watson was asked about that specific topic today. Why not believe the women? And are you now going to try to resolve these cases? Here he is. Deshaun, why, sh why should you be believed instead of more than 20 women? Um, I can't speak on, on what people's um, opinions are um, because everyone have their own opinions. But what I can continue to do is tell the truth and that is I've never assaulted or disrespected or harassed any woman in my life. Like I said before, I was raised differently. That's not my DNA. That's not my culture. That's not me as a person. And that's not how I was raised. And for me, just to continue to push forward and, and show people that who I really am. And a lot of people haven't met me before. A lot of people haven't spoke to me before. A lot of people haven't been in the same environment, environment as me before. And I want to continue to open that up and be able to have people, you know, come to me and, and be able to talk to me about, you know, certain things. Will you try to settle the 22 civil suits? Um, that's not my intent. My intent is to continue to clear my name as much as possible, and that's what I'm focused on. Now, if by saying that's not my intent, that's Pete Carroll, not my intent, then that means he's going to settle the cases. Mm -hmm. And he can't come out and say, it. look, this is where it becomes very difficult. If he says, yes, I am motivated to settle the cases, you may as well just hand Tony Busby a blank check. That's the problem. Yeah. You have to at least create the impression that you're going to fight it because you can't let Tony Busby think that there's an urgency to settle. But at some point, as I said last week and earlier today, you just got to do what you got to do. And there are devices. We talked about the offer of judgment last week. There are ways for the plaintiffs to end up realizing, oh, wait, if I don't take this and I don't do better than this at trial, I may have to actually pay out of my own pocket. Well, I don't like the sound of that. Yeah, I better go ahead and settle this case. So there are ways to put pressure on them within the confines of the legal system. But, you know, Miles, look, th this is why I think they just shouldn't have done this today. If all he's going to do is recite, I never assaulted anyone, I never harassed anyone, I never disrespected anyone, I wasn't raised that way, I was raised by a single mother and my two aunties, and I, you know, it, it's not, it, not my DNA. I mean, you could see he was remembering everything he possibly could from the statement that was written for him, and that's fine because he's got 22 pending cases. But maybe you just don't do the press conference because of the 22 pending cases. Because, again, this is supposed to be a happy day in the history of the Cleveland Browns. 
not what it ultimately became. So at some point, somebody need to take a step back and say, you know, they say they want an adult in the room at quarterback. That's why they wanted to get rid of Baker Mayfield. There needed to be an adult in the room when it comes to whether or not they should do this press conference and say, we probably shouldn't, at least not now, at least not until these cases are settled. Well, I mean, if you're if you don't do it, then what are you? I mean, you're basically then sending Kevin Stefanski out there, you know, next Monday, Tuesday, whenever the AFC True. coaches True. talk at the, at the breakfast to answer all of these things and answer again. Why has it? Why have you not, you know, said anything? Why have you not introduced Deshaun Watson? Why haven't Jimmy and D. Haslam spoken? Why hasn't Andrew Barry spoken? And you're you're leaving that for Kevin Stefanski. So. I, that's sort of where you and I would disagree on whether or not they should have held the press conference. But there are yeah. two things that, you know, what he was talking about kind of makes me think about and he being Deshaun Watson in that clip that we just saw. One is Jimmy Haslam in the Zoom press conference that uh, Jimmy and D Haslam had with local reporters after the uh, in-person press conference because Jimmy and D Haslam said they had a previous international engagement. So that's why they weren't there in Cleveland. So Jimmy Haslam said, we're comfortable they will make the right call when he was asked about Deshaun Watson potentially settling these 22 cases. So I think that the Browns have a good idea of where this is headed. And like you said, Deshaun Watson can't just come out and say, you know, oh my gosh, yes, I'm so motivated to settle all of these different cases, et cetera, et cetera, because then that's not good for what he's ultimately trying to do is basically as a negotiation tactic. But the second thing that it made me think of when Deshaun Watson starts talking about, you know, I was raised by a single mom. I was, I know I have all these aunties. It's not in my DNA. It's this, it's that. Remember what we were talking about with John Gruden a few months ago and the racist bone thing. Like just because you were raised a certain way or you grew up a certain way or whatever it happens to be, that doesn't mean that you're incapable of doing something. And so when I hear stuff like that, that doesn't really mean anything to me. And it may mean something to other people out there or what have you, but you could be raised by anybody. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you in a certain set of circumstances are not going to do something untoward. So I just, when I hear something like that, that doesn't necessarily mean anything to me. And that's an excellent point. I mean, Anyone, no matter what they do, had a mother and probably loved her at some point and probably still does. That doesn't mean that you're absolved of potential wrongdoing. And when he says, I wasn't raised that way, the response could be, yes, you weren't raised that way. So what the hell's going on here? You surely weren't. Who's raised that way? Who who in this world that if they're guilty of doing what he's accused of could say, you know, that's exactly how I was raised. That's Mm -hmm. exactly how. That's a defense for anyone. I wasn't raised that way. No, you weren't. Kids aren't raised that way. But sometimes these things happen. Andrew Barry explained some things that we hadn't previously heard before. There was the question about why they haven't engaged the 22 women who are making the complaints. And he said that the lawyers told them, don't do it. You could be potentially interfering with the criminal investigation. So they hired a third-party investigator to do it instead, apparently, to fish around and find these things out. I mean, I don't know how you get to the point where you're comfortable Without hearing from these individuals, and I don't know if these investigators, I don't know what they did, and he wouldn't say what they did, but they weren't but going Mike, to engage okay. him directly. Here, here's where, I mean, what, what, would it matter? Were the Browns or the Falcons or whatever other of the, you know, 13 teams that expressed interest, were they ultimately not going to do this regardless of what these 22 people said? Because that's the thing that I keep coming back to every time I hear, oh, the Browns didn't, you know, they they didn't talk to these women. Would it have mattered? I really don't think it would have mattered for any of these teams. I just don't. I I personally think it was less about what happened in the past and more about exacting a guarantee that it's not going to happen again. Right. Yes. I think that's what it came down to. The due diligence wasn't about do we believe he did what he's accused of doing. The due diligence was do we think this guy will do it on our watch? Regardless of what he's mm-hmm. done, will he do it once he's an employee of the Cleveland Browns? And let's listen to Andrew Barry on the question of whether or not he believes this will happen again. And the last question and answer from the press conference, which, which I thought was the most telling of anything that was said in the half hour that the three individuals were grilled by the local media. Here's Andrew Barry. 
come to a conclusion that the acts in the past were not beneath the standard you were ex you would expect, or did you reach the conclusion that that won't happen again or anymore now that he's a Cleveland Brown? Yeah, I'll go back to we felt good about everything that we collected. We felt good about Deshaun as a person. We felt good about what we learned about the cases, Doug, that to a point where we felt comfortable pursuing the trade and bringing him into the building. And if we didn't, like in terms of what happened or moving forward, we wouldn't have made the trade. Obviously, you've talked about the investigation and the research. Deshaun is obviously maintaining his innocence. After all of that, do you and does this organization believe there was no wrongdoing? Dan, we feel, we feel very confident in Deshaun, the person. Um, and we have a lot of faith in him. And we believe that as he gets into the community and our organization, um, he's going to make a positive impact. Now, see, if that question was posed to Andrew Barry in the context of a deposition, and if I was the lawyer seeking the answer to the question, my next comment would have been, Mr. Barry, that wasn't my question. My question is whether or not you believe there was wrongdoing. Yes. It's a simple yes or no question. Mm -hmm. He didn't give the yes, and anything other is yes. Anything other than yes, we believe there was no wrongdoing, is either no, we believe there was wrongdoing, or we don't really know and we don't really care because we care about moving forward. We don't care about the past. That, that's my overriding takeaway from today. Now that we've talked about it and processed it, they don't care about what happened in the past. They care about what's going to happen in the future, and they're making the bet that Deshaun Watson has learned his lesson, and he's not going to do what he did to get him in this mess when he was a member of the Texans. Yes, exactly. It's basically, do you think that he was going to be criminal or it was or is going to be criminally charged in the future? And clearly the Browns think the answer to that question is no. And then do you feel like he will get in some sort of trouble like this again? The Browns also feel the answer is no. So to me, all of this talk of we're comfortable with Deshaun the person. We want him to get back into the community. We want him to be hands-on in the community, which is an interesting turn of phrase, frankly, based on the things that he's been accused of. I, that, that is everything that the Browns kind of said today. All the comfort with Deshaun Watson as a human being is more what they want to have the focus be going forward rather than anything he may or may not have done in the past because as Jimmy and Dee Haslam talked about on their Zoom press conference, the, the legal system has kind of run its course when it comes to the criminal justice system. And in two different counties um, in Texas, they did not indict him after grand jury heard whatever the prosecutor wanted to present to the grand jury. So they are, like you said, making the bet that he has learned his lesson in some way and that he will not get any in any kind of trouble like this in the future. And we'll see if that bet pays off for them. Now, the other issue that arises from this is the question of whether and to what extent there will be a mandate from the league that Deshaun Watson undergo counseling. And I suspect if there's any discipline eventually imposed on Watson whenever it happens now, later, whenever, and we've laid out all the different permutations for what the NFL could do, one of the requirements will be that he undergo counseling. Here's Watson from earlier today on the question of whether he would be willing to engage in any type of counseling as a result of the behavior that resulted in these allegations. Um, personally, I mean, even if you do feel you're innocent of these and you've never done any of these things and the Browns don't feel like you have, Will you be willing to do things, you know, personally in terms of counseling or, or whatever it else, whatever else it would take to show that you'll go the extra mile to make sure nothing like this ever happens again? Um, I, I, it's hard for me to say the counseling part because I don't, I don't have a problem, you know, I don't, I don't have an issue, and that's that's what I've been saying from the beginning. So this situation is, is definitely is, is tough and is very difficult. But me as a as a having a problem going to counseling and things like that, I'm willing to talk to people about certain situations to make sure I'm not getting back in this. But I, like I said before, I never assaulted anyone, never disrespected anyone. Um, I've always been respectful, and that's what I've always you know stood on, and that's who I am as a person. When in doubt, go back to the card. When in doubt, go back to the talking points. And again, this is a young guy trying to navigate some murky waters. It's hard for me to reconcile 
I don't need counseling because I don't have a problem too well if they you know, want me to talk to somebody so I don't fall back into this. Well, that's the problem. They don't want me to fall back into the problem that isn't a problem. I mean, it's, it, it, it becomes very dog-chasing tail. But the bottom yes. line is he's going to have to at some point, at a bare minimum. Because even if, even if, let's say the NFL doesn't take any action until these cases are resolved. And he goes 22 for 22. One trial after another. Think about that, too. Think about that logistically. You don't try them all at once. And if you try them one after another, it's going to take a half a year to yeah. do all these trials. 22 weeks. These, you know, Maybe you could do two a week. I don't know. It's still taking them three months to do it. But let's say he wins, all of them. The NFL is still going to do something about this if they're going to pay any attention to the precedent with Ben Roethlisberger because it's not about whether or not you ultimately broke the law. It's whether or not you're engaged in behaviors that require intervention. And it's obvious that if you are seeking massages from 40 different people and some of those are turning into consensual sexual encounters and 22 of them are resulting in claims of affirmative misconduct by you, there is something for which you need counseling. And that's where the disconnect is between this defense of Deshaun Watson, this he hasn't done anything wrong, he's innocent until proven guilty, to the circumstances crying out that something's not right. And D. Haslam, Cohen of the Browns, said in the Zoom call today, I hope counseling is something he would consider. She'll leave it up to the experts, but believes in counseling for everybody. Well, yes, counseling could be useful for everybody. We all have issues, and that is a fair assessment. But at the same time, there's enough undisputed evidence regarding what happened to Deshaun Watson to suggest that counseling would be necessary, even if it's counseling for him to deal with the stress of the last year. Some exactly. form of counseling would be helpful for him right now. Yes, and that's exactly the point that Dee Haslam was making on that Zoom call, that that's part of why she feels like it could at least be beneficial for Deshaun Watson, not necessarily stemming from the, the actions or the allegations and all of those different types of things, but just from the simple stress of, you know, you did not play football last year, and that's something that you love. That's something that you are employed to do. It's something that we all know Deshaun Watson is indisputably very, very good at, is going out there and throwing the ball on a football field. So it's not necessarily just about the allegations for something that he could receive counseling, right? It's more basically the entire circumstances of what's been going on in his life, and that's the point he hasn't made. But I, I think, you know, at the same time, when, as we've been saying, his lawyer has admitted that some of these massage therapy sessions turned into consensual sexual encounters, it's at least worth talking to somebody about the fact that massage therapists are not sex workers. So at least in my opinion, that's where at least some minuscule form of counseling could come in there to drive that point home. Yeah, Deshaun, you're under the misimpression that when you go get a massage, it's going to take a turn that is not normal and it shouldn't be expected. And you shouldn't be confused when it doesn't happen at a minimum. That's the kind of counseling yes. he needs. And he also needs a different kind of counseling as it relates to what he needs to do, because I'm telling you, he needs to settle these cases because I believe the NFL eventually, if he doesn't settle these cases, will put him on the commissioner exempt list and he won't play this year until those cases are resolved. And I'm not sure the people advising him understand that. And I know that there are people high up in the league office that are sending that message. I don't know if it's being sent loudly enough or directly enough for Deshaun Watson to understand. You're not just going to be able to defend yourself and try to clear your name and play football. There's a good chance the NFL, which uses paid leave as a, as a PR tool and nothing else. It's, it's a way to take the heat out of the hot kitchen. We don't have to worry about Deshaun Watson being on NBC, CBS, ABC, ESPN, Fox, or Amazon. And, and no one has to acknowledge the elephant in the room because he's not in the stadium. That's why they do right. it. They would do could it. They, For 22 cases, they would do it. Could they do it before the start of the off-season program or at the start of the off-season program? They could. But here's the balance. They don't like to do it until they have to. Because the mere act of doing it creates a negative news cycle. The mere act of doing it opens the NFL up to criticism from people who say, well, how can you do this? He hasn't been found to have done anything wrong. Why are you doing this to him? What about others that haven't had this happen to them? I mean, so they'd rather do nothing as long as they can. 
And I don't know that the offseason program would be enough to get them to do it. But remember when Tyree Kill had that thing a couple of years ago where it was unclear what was going on? He and the team agreed he wouldn't come around. And I don't know. Maybe that's maybe maybe they'll agree that Deshaun Watson will work out on his own. If I'm the Browns, though, I kind of want to integrate the guy into the team. So yeah. that's just something to keep an eye on. But the offseason program's coming. And yeah. we'll, we'll see if, if anything happens tangibly between now and then. Let's take a break. We'll return more on Deshaun Watson and his introductory press conference, including some things he said about why he chose Cleveland over the other three teams that were trying to trade for him. We'll discuss that next here on PFT. Uh, Deshaun, you originally turned down the Browns, and then you flipped and went back to the Browns. How much of that had to just do with the contract? Um, actually, it had nothing to do with the contract. I didn't know about the contract until I told my agent that I wanted to come and be a Cleveland Brown. That was secondary. That was after the fact that we spoke on the phone with A.B. and Kevin and, and the Haslam family. So that had nothing to do with me choosing the Cleveland Browns. I think you guys know I typically don't talk about contracts in this setting. I actually will make a departure from that because I do think a little bit of context is in, important. So a couple things. Number one, we certainly understand the optics of it. Um, I think for us, after we got com- comfortable with Deshaun, um, you know, the contract was uh, really a football decision. Um, the things that were important to us from a club perspective were um, to have another year, have Deshaun under contract for another year, and to have it structured in a manner that would allow us, um, you know, maximum flexibility to execute the rest of our off-season plan. Um, and that's specifically true. Um, as we really kind of facilitate the next steps with with Baker and Baker's contracts, um, you know, on our cap. And I think probably the other thing to mention is that structure, Jake, is, um, you know, very similar to a lot of the, the large contracts that we already have. That last part was about the fact that Deshaun Watson has a very low base salary this year, so if he is suspended without pay, he loses far less than, say, next year when his base salary is $46 million. And I would suspect that if he's suspended without pay next year instead of this year they'll convert a large chunk of the 46 million dollar salary into a signing bonus and it gets spread out and the salary drops and the impact drops. this isn't the first time this is a loophole that multiple players and multiple teams have taken advantage of and people are up in arms about this nobody ever said boo about him doing it before including when tom brady did it with the patriots in 2016 to reduce the financial impact of the deflate gate suspension so th- this is something the NFL knows about, and the NFL has not changed the rules. So that part, Miles, and we'll start there, but we got more to talk about. That part, to me, is really a non-issue because the NFL could change the rule if it wanted to. It could change the way that the suspension financial component is calculated. The way it goes is game checks and only game checks, and that's the NFL's prerogative, and I've never heard any talk about changing it. Well, no, and I, I think it's one of these things that has now come up because of these specific set of circumstances and the contract that we all heard Deshaun Watson get. Right? I think it kind of maybe threw all of us for a little bit of a loop when you hear that, hey, not only did Deshaun Watson choose the Browns, but he also got $230 million guaranteed for five years on a contract. Like that's, it's unprecedented. So I think the unprecedented nature of all of this now calls into question what that low base salary is and why it would happen and what are the implications of it? Well, and the idea that Deshaun Watson would have picked the Browns regardless of the contract. Ludicrous. And see, this is one of those things where if I'm a lawyer and I'm trying to make a case to a jury, and I catch somebody in one ridiculous statement, I say we shouldn't believe anything else they say if they're willing to right. say that with a straight face. It hurts their credibility across their board because that is ludicrous because Russell Wilson didn't get a new contract on his way through the door with Denver. He's got two years left on his contract. Why didn't the Broncos give him a new contract on the way through the door? Why does the guy who's got 22 pending lawsuits – get $230 million fully guaranteed because there were three other teams that wanted him. And he said to the Browns first, see you later. And the Browns decided, what are we going to do for a quarterback? We really want this guy. And I don't know how much of this was calculated, how much of it was a strategy that was hatched by David Mulligetta. If so, chef's kiss, baby. Beautiful. Beautiful. Look what it did. 
It got him five years, $230 million, despite having 22 lawsuits pending. Who gets that contract? He took advantage of the fact that Deshaun Watson said, see you later, the Browns. So they dug deep, as we've said before, into the couch cushions on the SS Haslam, all the money floating around, and they got it done. And yeah, it had to be about the contract. Jenny Vrentis of the New York Times had a, an intriguing paragraph in her story yesterday about that extra grand jury proceeding for the 10th criminal complaint in Texas that nobody knew about until yesterday. The Panthers were eliminated. Not only why this wasn't a separate story. Should have been a separate story. The Panthers, according to Vrentis, were eliminated because they refused to guarantee the final two years of the contract. If that's true, then of course it's about the contract. Of course it's about the contract. It's not just about the amount. It's about how much of it's going to be guaranteed. So now I don't know. Maybe somebody wasn't being straight with Deshaun and the agent was really manipulating this and that wouldn't be the first time that's happened. But of course it's about the contract. You can't tell me with a straight face that it isn't. And it does make me wonder what else you're not telling me the truth with a straight face about. Well, I, I also say that I, I believe that there are Panthers writers, reporters that were also saying something similar last week when we all heard that the Panthers got eliminated, that they did not want to guarantee those last couple of years or they didn't want to go past a certain amount of years of guarantees on the contract. And that was part of the reason why they got eliminated. So uh, that's okay. one thing well, I do still, remember okay. from that. Well, I missed but, that. I, I, I missed I, that at the time. Yeah. Still yeah, proves a yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. You can't say it's well, not about the contract. I, if Absolutely. It is about the I wasn't trying. Of course, of course, it's about the contract. And frankly, you know, when somebody like Tyreek Hill goes to the podium yesterday and says, well, you know, I, I was kind of so-so about Miami until I heard how much money they were going to give me. And then I was like, ha like, that's pretty much the same thing we're talking about here, I would have to think. I mean, I'm not trying to, like, just call Deshaun Watson a total liar on this, but, like, if somebody presents you with an offer like that, something that you probably are not going to refuse, that's going to be a factor in then why you would say yes to that, right? And whether or not he says like, oh, well, it was really, you know, how comfortable I felt with Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski and the Haslams, and they presented this sort of family atmosphere and how I could be in the community and the media, the mean old media was pressuring me to make a decision. Like, I don't understand why that means anything to you. You know, like it's your choice. It's your destination. So you got to take all the time you need. And it's not really a media problem if you need to make a decision. That's just you. So whether or not the Browns really eliminated or came back because of the contract, whatever. But like, I don't believe that the guaranteed, you know, five years and how much, you know, over 200 mil was not a factor there. I just don't. But Miles, I, I don't know how the media could pressure any of these guys because they don't listen to anything that we say. <laughs> Oh, of course. Yeah, right. Uh, right? They don't listen we to we, we pressured Tom Brady into retiring. That's true. We sure did. The media. The media. Yeah. Yes. The media. He doesn't listen to we anything we say, to... but we right. pressured him. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yes, we made Tom Brady retire, even though everybody thinks he's the greatest quarterback of all time. And everybody's like, well, how long is he going to play? You and I were on this show being like, is Tom Brady going to play until he's 50? And like, I don't know. I mean, it seems conceivable that he could. But yes, it's the big bad media's fault that he retired. And now he's back. There is other pressure that is coming from Browns fans. And my niece, who, who's about to have my first great nephew, which means I am quite old she's a huge browns <laughs> fan she's stuck through the best and the worst of the browns One she's ambivalent and here's here's andrew barry talking about browns fans who claim that that this is a bridge too far and they are now done browns fans who may have been affected by sexual assault whether they're, they're victims or they know victims um People who just think it's wrong to to trade for a player with, with this number of allegations that he's still facing in in the legal system, and and a lot of people are saying we're out, we're done with the Browns. What do you say to the people who say we can't root for this team? You know, Nate, I would tell you that. Um, We'll never fully be able to walk in the shoes of um, individuals who have been affected by, by sexual assault. And that is something that you know, we thought about a lot as we went through this process, understanding um, 
you know what the reaction would you know what the reaction would be and that's something that weighed heavily on me um, and we empathize with we empathize with that emotion we empathize with that with that sentiment and at the same time um, we also do feel good about the work that we did um, as we vetted this transaction um, we do have confidence and faith in Deshaun as a person and that did weigh heavily in the decision um, but between the the information that we were able to gather, um, working through due process, working through the legal process, you know, we do think that this is a decision that, as it's evaluated over the long run, um, will be something that um, is positive for our organization. And we totally respect and totally empathize with those sentiments right now, totally understand that there are people who are not comfortable with the transaction right now. Translation. Mm-hmm. We don't care what happened in Houston. We believe mm-hmm. whatever happened in Houston isn't going to happen again. And mm-hmm. once we start winning football games, it's all going to be forgotten. Deshaun Watson himself mentioned on multiple occasions today, Super Bowls, not bowl. Cle- Cleveland Browns fan happy with a bowl. Not, not two. One would make this a success. Don't need three, four, five, six. One is good enough. I assume you would agree. So I would. I think that's, that's the pervasive mentality. And remember, 2010, it was as low as it ever got for Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh after he got suspended. They wanted to run him out of town. The team looked into, into trading him. It was horrible. Everybody hated Ben Roethlisberger. And who was one of the limited partners of the Pittsburgh Steelers yeah. in 2010? It was Jimmy Haslam. He's seen how quickly it can change because they went to the Super Bowl that year. And by the next year, it was pretty much forgotten, Miles. I would say that I think we're in a different day and age. And I I don't think that this is going to be as easily forgotten no matter how much Deshaun Watson does or doesn't win with the Browns. I think that this is going to follow him for the rest of his career. And, I mean, it probably should when there are 22 allegations against you, you know, we keep talking about the some point between one and 22. Oh, I mean, there are 22 allegations. So that I think is going to continue to follow him. But I mean, it, this is a production equals tolerance league, right? Yes. When Ray Rice assaulted his then fiance, his now wife in 2014, the reason he did not play ever again is because he's a running back and he was a declining running back. This is a quarterback who is one of the top five quarterbacks in the league when he's on the field. Production equals tolerance. Deshaun Watson is better than Maker Baker Mayfield, indisputably. And so that's why the Browns go out and they do what they do. And, you know, I think that certainly over time, if this works and Deshaun Watson has success on the field, it will become more or less in the background. But I, to think that, you know, people will forget and that, you know, even if Deshaun Watson plays that line, I just, I don't know. I think that this is going to stick with him. I really do. At one point, they were pressing Andrew Barry today on the very basic truth that they only went to all this trouble because Deshaun Watson is really good. They wouldn't have done this for anybody yeah. else. They would have just said, forget it. It's not worth it. And Andrew Barry did a very nice job of stick handling his way around it. But that's the truth. You're willing to do all of this spend all this time, spend all this money because of the quality of the player. If he's not Deshaun Watson, they see 22 civil lawsuits and they run in the other direction. It's because they think they're going to win. Let's take a break. Jimmy and D. Haslam spoke after the press conference and explained how they got to the point where they were comfortable allowing this trade to happen and the contract on top of it. More PFTPM right after this. You guys said that you had conversations with your daughters and weighed their opinions heavily. Did any of them beg you not to do this? They were exposed to not all of the information, um, but almost all the information we were. And it wasn't like we were hiding anything. They just weren't involved, quite as involved. And so, like I said, we had several long Sunday afternoon conversations with Andrew, Paul, and Kevin, which they got to listen. They got to ask questions. They became educated on the situation. Okay. 
I, I can, as I, as I said, I consulted and as did these several people I trust and respect outside the organization. One is a family member. The other is this counselor I referred to. And both of them said exactly the same thing. They said, your daughters and D ought to have veto over this trade. And if they're not for it, any one of them is not for it. You shouldn't do it. And at first I, was, I thought, that's interesting. And I thought, you know, that makes a lot of sense. And everybody was on board with doing this. Okay. Some later than earlier, but everybody was on board on moving forward with this trade for Deshaun. Well, and look, I don't want to be crass about this. And I know that they said what they had to say to try to justify it. They want to win. They've had this team right. for a decade. They've suffered through crap. They've, it's the line from Shawshank Redemption. They've gone through 500 yards of the foulest smelling you-know-what that you can imagine, and now they're on the other side. They busted out of the pipe with Deshaun Watson. If it was anybody else, they'd say no way in hell. But the biggest factor was we get a franchise quarterback. That's why they did it. They would have vetoed it if it would have been anybody else. If it would have been, if it would have been Jared Goff, just to pick a name of a guy who's not a franchise quarterback, they would have said no way because it's about winning. At the end of the day, it's about having a team that wins and competes for championships. Miles, plain and simple. A hundred percent. And, you know, they can talk about veto power all they want, but I think it's also interesting when Jimmy Haslam says some came on board later than the others. So that suggests that there was some convincing going on, at least in the room and in those conversations. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. We'll wrap things up on this Friday PFTPM right after this. Jimmy Haslam, owner of the Browns, denied during the Zoom conference today that the adult in the quarterback room comment came from inside the Browns building. Well, how the hell does Jimmy Haslam know that? How does he know that? Who did it come well, from? The homeless guy that told him to draft Johnny Manziel? You think Mort's making it up? Hell no, what? I don't think Ward's making it up. No, Morton Anderson is not making up anything. It was somebody who's, as long, who's had as long and distinguished a career reporting on football as he has. So if he didn't say it, or Jimmy Haslam didn't say it, or D. Haslam didn't say it, somebody within the Browns organization that Morton Anderson trusts uh, said that, you know? So, um, um, no. I said Morton Anderson, didn't I? That's like you said Morton Anderson. That's My okay. gosh. Chris it's Mortensen. Time, it's, Chris, I know. Thank you. Chris Mortensen Anderson. It's time to get to the weekend, isn't it, Mike? It, it's definitely time. I think you have already had some Maker Bayfield. You almost said that earlier. You're getting ready for <laughs> some know, Maker's I Mark. Did. Maybe you've already had a little. Right. All right. Thanks for uh, some of your time. We'll be uh, covering the story all weekend long at PFT. See you Monday morning for PFT Live. <laughs> 